Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is Friday on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Three hours closer to your weekend right now. I'm your host, Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton, out for today. He'll be back on Monday. I know you're all thrilled about that. I am as well. But you should also be thrilled by the fact that we have a great show ahead for you, including former Major League Baseball shortstop Pittsburgh Pirate, an all-star. He's now with USA Baseball. Jack Wilson coming up in 20 minutes. SEC Mike, Michael Bratton, one of our favorite guests coming on in an hour and a half from now to talk all things SEC football. And at 5.20 Eastern time today, we've had him on before. He was terrific. He will be terrific once again. Marcellus Wiley, Fox Sports 1. He's got his own podcast. He's an author. We love booking authors on this show. Marcellus Wiley is one of those. He'll join us coming up to end today's show. And a special guest co-host today. You see him uh, just about every week on the show talking Major League Baseball. But he is a renaissance man who can talk about literally anything. He is our guy. He's the fort. Michael McHenry, former Pittsburgh Pirate, former Major League Baseball catcher, now with the Pittsburgh Pirates television team. He's on with us right now, I assume from Pittsburgh. Michael, how are you, man? I'm great. and I'm not necessarily an author, you're just saying, but maybe I could write a children's book. I don't know if I'm ready to go full-fledged in all those words, maybe a little too much. I'm more of a pictures guy, but happy to be here. I'm no Hutton. I'm no Chad. But I'm going to do my best. Looking forward to some really good talk. But you are Fort. You know, you're not Hutton, you're not me, but you're the Fort, which is superior to either one of us. So I know you're going to do a great job and appreciate you filling in today. It's going to be a fun show and a loaded show as well. And I think that you'd be a good children's book author. I, I really do. You know, you don't, don't sell yourself self short. You seem like a guy that's got a lot of good things to share with the, the children of America. So get to work on that children's book, please. I will. I'll, I'll work on that color book. No so problem. the story of the day yesterday was this Twitter battle between our fearless leader at OutKick, Clay Travis, and one uh, Mark Cuban. This is not the first time these guys have gotten into it over the years. They love to go at each other. Mark Cuban sometimes will fire a shot at Clay over something he says on one of his shows, over something he writes, and Clay will respond in kind on Twitter. Now, this one was in response to a, a piece that Clay wrote at OutKick about the demise of the NBA. And I want to pull up this tweet from Clay. First off, if you have not read it, I, I advise it. It's really, really well done by Clay. I thought it laid out a lot of facts very well and really talks about the last 25 years in the NBA and how NBA Finals ratings have really suffered. Here's the, the tweet from Clay I want to read because I think this sums up his piece really well. Since peaking in 1998 with Michael Jordan, the NBA Finals have lost 80% of their audience in the present LeBron era. No other pro sports league is close to this audience collapse. Many, like the NFL, college football, and college basketball, have actually grown over that time. That, that from Clay Travis. And I think that's a pretty good summary of what his argument was uh, in his piece at, at OutKick.com. Again, read it if you haven't. 
Um, it's longer than that. There's a lot more information in it, a lot more opinion. Clay does a good job with it. And he lays out his, his argument really well. One thing that stuck out to me in his argument was in the heyday of the NBA, when the ratings were at their best, in the buildup of Larry versus Magic going into the 90s and Michael Jordan and his dominance with the Bulls, we didn't know about the politics of the stars in the league because it was all about the basketball. It was all about the competition. It was all about greatness. And Michael Jordan, Clay's written a book stealing a quote from Michael Jordan that says, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too as to why he wouldn't endorse a Democratic political candidate back in the early 90s. So I agree with all that. The NBA was in part better than for all of those reasons. Now, Clay lays out a lot of the reasons why the NBA has fallen apart, and a lot of it is because of a, a, a left-leaning political agenda bordering on extremism at times with players deciding not to play playoff games uh, because of a police shooting that um, they didn't have all their facts on when deciding to boycott it. Let's just put it that way. Reading headlines, not reading a full story, not knowing a full story, and then emotionally reacting to it and speaking out against it. And that has caused backlash from a lot of NBA fans. I, I agree with everything Clay says. Now, Mark Cuban takes offense to this. So Mark Cuban comes at Clay. Clay calls him to the mat for this Twitter fight. Mark Cuban responds. They go at it for a while. They're going back and forth. Eventually, Clay ends up calling Mark Cuban the B word. And then Mark Cuban says, you wouldn't tell your son to talk to someone like that. So I've won the argument. He declares victory. Clay goes into his corner, calls him a couple other cuss words, goes at him again. Clay's, Clay declares victory. Clay's people declare victory, and so on and so forth. And as I like to say, the world continues to turn on the axis of division. Now, you're going to have everyone that's on the left, all of the NBA supporters in the media, NBA players, Dallas Mavericks brass, people that know Mark Cuban and defend him, people that defend the league's politics at all times, they're all going to line up and they're going to stand behind their boy, Mark Cuban, and say, boom, you got him. You pissed off the great Clay Travis and you won the argument. Then you're going to have everyone over here on the right that's going to line up and say, you owned him. You destroyed that lib, Clay. Great job. You showed him who, your, who his daddy was. Good job, Clay, on that. All very, very predictable. You don't come to this show for predictable. At least I hope not. And I don't want to condition our audience to come to this show for predictable. So let me give you my 100% authentic opinion on what really happened in this Twitter feud. And that is that I think Clay won, but barely. And quite frankly, knowing Clay Travis as well as I do, I am shocked this debate was this close. Because Clay had facts in his corner. And Mark Cuban spewed a lot of stuff that didn't make a lot of sense from a fact standpoint. But when defending woke stances, Mark Cuban, with a brilliant move, decided to go to the Fox employee handbook and copy and paste some things about diversity and inclusion. And Clay sold his company to Fox. Hey, bravo. Clay's response to that was to get mad and go back at him saying, I run OutKick. Well, Clay hired me at OutKick. Clay doesn't sign my check, so I don't know that that's necessarily true. He makes a lot of the decisions, but this is a Fox-owned company. So I don't say that 
to say anything bad about Fox. I say that because every corporation has diversity and inclusion included in everything they do. This is no surprise. What Mark Cuban is laying out doesn't shock anyone who works for anyone. Of course you do. You don't want to get sued. You don't want to be seen as someone who has a bias, prejudice, that you're bigoted, all of those things. All of those things are true. But he put Clay into a corner, and Clay, again, with his piece and what he said, had facts on his side, and he fought his case well. I'm the only one at OutKick who probably will say this simply because I've known Clay the longest, and I'm a very, very close friend of his, and Clay and I hosted our first ever radio show. Well, his first radio show, not mine, together back in 2007. So I can say this. Clay would never call Mark Cuban what he called him on Twitter to his face. That's not who Clay is. And let me say that is a compliment to my friend Clay Travis. Because Clay is not someone who reacts emotionally. Clay reacts with intelligence. He reacts with logic. He will argue a point to the death. But he's not an emotional guy. He's not someone to do that. So when I see Clay calling him names on Twitter, part of me thinks... This is Clay being a really good salesman. And let me tell you, Clay's a hell of a salesman. Clay, you don't go from writing for an obscure website to building your own media empire and selling it for a ton of money to a major corporate media conglomerate by not being a good salesman and not knowing what you're doing. But if Clay was in an argument face-to-face with, with Mark Cuban, he's not saying that to him. So part of that is a bit of an online persona, which works very well. So I would highly advise you go back and read the back and forth between the two. But Fort, I'm here to tell you that as someone who knows Clay well and knows how smart he is and how good he is at arguing a point, I am shocked that it had to go to a decision and that it was not a KO. I thought Clay would end him on Twitter. He did not. Cuban fought well. But if it's going to the referee's decision, and I'll be the referee in this one, I give Clay the points, barely at the end of a, a full bout of all the rounds being fought. What did you make of the back and forth between the two? Mark Cuban is so predictable, in my opinion. Every argument he's in, he always kind of circles back to the talking points, the agenda that comes from that big corporation, that big thought process. And that, at the end of the day, is what the NBA team owners are. They're just a giant corporation. They're trying to grow their business whether it's left, whether it's right, but they should find common ground. And if they really wanted that common ground, they would sit face to face, right? Mark Cuban would say, all right, let's talk. Let's get together. Let's have a conversation. I'll come on OutKicks. You come on my, whatever he he does, whatever, uh, maybe it's CNN, maybe it's Fox. It doesn't matter. Just find a neutral Shark ground, tank. have a conversation. <laughs> the reality of it is it would never happen, Chad. It would never happen no. because these guys don't want to go face to face with a guy like Clay Travis because they know that he's going to make them emotional when they show up. And that's the problem. He's going to get emotional. I've seen Mark Cuban get emotional time and time again on Twitter, just like Clay did. And I think he was trying to spark something because he is a salesman. I don't know him as well as you did, but everything I've ever heard about that man is very genuine. I mean, I'm from Knoxville. He's, he's always in Knoxville, went to UT. He's a guy that a lot of people say a lot of great things about, whether they have a left stance, right stance. Once they meet this guy, they have a different opinion of him. It's easy to take that that road and say, oh, yeah, because of his beliefs, I don't believe that. But genuinely having a conversation with somebody is very important. These guys won't do it. I mean, we've seen it over and over again. They will not get in front of a camera and have a 
genuine debate with anybody with any intelligence because they know they're not comfortable with their beliefs. They don't necessarily know if the facts are going to line up because they have a bunch of yes men around them. Well, That's and look, the, and, these guys do, right? Yeah, yeah. And and Clay, you know, the, the big point he's hammered home with all the anyone in the NBA is, will you denounce the human rights violations in China? Right. Which is a great point to hammer home over and over. And they're never going to do it. Uh, Mark Cuban's this not going sad. to do it. And it, it is sad, but I, I, let me also say, a lot of money makes all of us hypocrites. Right. I mean, that's just, that's what it is. When you're playing at that level of money, Clay included, it's going to turn you into a hypocrite at some point. So Mark Cuban, I think, in one tweet says, I denounce human rights violations everywhere, but wouldn't say specifically in China. Well, why is that? Because the NBA doesn't need the United States to be successful. They're making enough in China specifically. It's a business decision by him. Now, where Clay, I think, ultimately wins the argument, getting back into the, the weeds of the argument, and the point that he made, which is a good one, you can't stand on social justice issues and treat the United States of America like it's some backwards country where there's a totalitarian regime that's invoking fear and violence in it with everyone at all times, and then turn around and not say that China's got a lot of problems and not mention their country by name. That's where Mark Cuban's the ultimate hypocrite that's where everyone in the NBA will always be a hypocrite because they're never going to admit it. Why? Because they make a lot of money. They make a lot of money from China. And then that's really the, bo the bottom line here, Michael, unfortunately, is the bottom line and not necessarily what's right. You're exactly right. And money brings out who you really are, right? It just brings out that in maybe an expedited fashion or just brings out that bigger light of who you are. And that's exactly what's happening. You're right. These guys are not going to speak on something that's bringing in millions and billions of dollars because they know if they do, they may pull back and they lose that money, they lose that income that they do, so desperately probably don't even need, but the reality of it is they're just not going to push back. And that's sad. I mean, you have to have a stance some way, shape, or form. You have to have standards. You have to have values because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. How are you remembered by what you stood for? These guys really don't stand for anything. It seems like they float around. You cannot say that about Clay. He stands on what he believes day in, day out. He'll go out and speak on it day in, day out. That's why I love you guys. And I respectfully love people from both sides, especially if they'll just stand on what they believe because we don't know their reality, their perceived reality or what's going on. Could be money issue, could be work issue, could be something that we don't even know. The reality of it is you have to jump out in front of it. I, I can yeah, back I, and just wait and say, okay, I'm going to take a left. I'm going to take a right. I'm going to do this. No, just be who you are. Stand on your values the same values you're teaching your kids, maybe that's what you should stand on. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. And I, I think that we can all respect each other on opposite sides, even at times, even if it feels like we can't. And um, I'm just surprised because I've seen Clay. He's got like a 999 batting average on social media <laughs> when he battles people. Uh, I don't know that he's ever truly lost a, a Twitter battle. That was one of the closest ones I've ever seen. Uh, him come to lose, that part of it surprised me. And that's a compliment to Clay uh, that he's got such a high batting average because when he goes after someone, he typically has intelligence and facts on his side, and he wins those battles. And, again, he won the one yesterday. I'm not saying that he lost, but it got a little closer than I thought because I think some things kind of hit close to home and uh, got him emotional. But either way, we can all have a conversation and eventually figure out both sides. I've always said this about Bernie Sanders. I disagree with Bernie Sanders on almost everything politically, quite frankly. But I respect the heck out of the guy. Why? Because I think he's a true believer in everything he says. 
I 100% believe him that he believes those things. I don't think he's playing to any one side about money or anything. I think he believes everything he says. And you're right for it. There's something to be said for belief and believing what you say. I'm with you on that. Yeah, if someone's passionate about what they believe, it may be all they know. I have a great story about a guy that was an atheist that we became really close. He found faith later on, but that's all he knew. He grew up around his dad, who was an atheist, did not believe because he was burdened by the church. He was pushed and prodded constantly in his life by people of faith. So he put a face, not Jesus, he put a face on those people and said, this is what God is. That's not true at all. So he became an atheist, but just by treating that guy with respect and letting him just pour out what he believed, just with the ability of saying, hey, I have empathy for whatever you're going to tell me. I'm just going to sit here and listen because I'm going to learn something because I want to understand how you got to this belief and I want you to understand how I got to mine. If he never asked me, I wouldn't have said a word. I would just sat there and listened. That's what we should do more often. For McHenry, our special guest host today, when we come back, one of his buddies, Jack Wilson, former Major League Baseball All-Star. That's next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We are back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Hutton will be back on Monday. It's no problem because Michael McHenry, good friend of Hutton's, good friend of mine, good friend of yours former Major League Baseball catcher. He's on with us from Pittsburgh, co-hosting the show today. And one of Fort's buddies is Jack Wilson, former Major League Baseball shortstop, now with USA Baseball. And Jack is on with us right now. And Michael, uh, you know this guy well, so I'm going to let you kind of kick things off. But he's a very busy man right now, this, this Jack Wilson. He's got a few things going on. Yeah, he's all over the place. I mean, he's in Pittsburgh. He's in North Carolina. Just the other day, he's in L.A. on the broadcast. Jack, how are you doing? What's going on? You go to the draft tomorrow with your son, Jacob, who's a potential top 10 pick. You, you've you been so busy. We just came back from Pittsburgh, the fantasy camp, North Carolina. We were coaching Team USA at the PDP League. Just tell us a little bit about what's been going on and what you're looking forward to in this upcoming awesome process with Jacob. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, it's it's been nuts, kind of traveling all over the place, and then uh, 
got back a couple of days ago. Fort and I had an amazing week in North Carolina with the 18 U kids. And now it's, I uh, got home, we got to throw Jacob batting practice uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll go, we'll go out this afternoon and hit again. But, you know, I think it, I think mostly it's just to, to get the nerves out for him. Obviously he's pretty excited. This is like Christmas Eve times, you know, a million for him. So uh, we're, we're enjoying it. We leave tomorrow. Uh, we fly out to Seattle. We're going to be there live for the draft. So we're super excited for him and just, you know, just everything that, that you kind of think about everybody that's kind of poured into him over, over his lifetime and everything, it's all kind of coming together. So it's pretty emotional for all of us. Jack, what I think, you know, the viewers will really uh, deem interesting is, is Jacob's ability to not swing and miss. I mean, 496 at bats, 12 strikeouts, I believe is the number. I may be a little bit off. It may be less, but that's remarkable in today's game. We just got done playing the Dodgers. And those guys are true outcome, right? They're either going to walk, they're going to strike out, or they're going to hit homers. They beat us every single game that they did in LA due to that. How did you do that with him? Is that a mindset he he created? And he seems like an oddity in today's game. Yeah, no, he's, you know, from the get-go, he always had really good hand-eye coordination. You know, little guy, always had a bat in his hand, always had a ball in his hand. Um, so you kind of saw that, plus the love for the game he was always hitting. Like, if we were on the road, there was definitely some smush baseball being thrown where the elevators are in that little <laughs> waiting area. Like, and, and he could hit, he could just, you can just put the bat on the ball. So, you know, that was all the way through, you know, playing little league, playing pony, going into high schools and stuff like that. And then the strikeout thing is really just, he's got a really good two strikeout out approach. He's really comfortable there. He, uh, he chokes up from the get go, but then he just tries to stay inside everything. And if a guy makes a really good pitch, he's able to foul it off and, and, um, you know, get another pitch kind of spoil one. So, uh, umpires usually in high school through, through college, their zones are pretty wide. So he, he makes, so he, he makes it so that the umpire doesn't ring him up. So he he'll, he'll swing out of the zone a little bit just to get foul balls, which I think might change going forward with the umpires getting better as the higher he goes. Um, so I can see him being a little more particular, uh, with, with his strike zone than he, than he had been in the past, just because he was worried about umpires punching him. But just like to put the ball in play. I said, you know, you want to be a great teammate. You want to help your team win. Like, uh, just be a tough two strike at bat. And he's, he's done a really good job of that. Jack, you had a nice long major league baseball career, uh, as a shortstop. I want to ask you a couple things about today's game, just your observation of what's happening. Rules changes and schedule changes this year where every team's seeing more of, of all of major league baseball and we're seeing less of uh, pitchers hold the ball with the pitch yeah. clock. Is there one over the other that you like more? Because whatever it is, it's led to better ratings, better attendance across Major League Baseball. Is there something that specifically you like a lot about some of these changes within the game? I actually, you know, I like them both. I think it, I think it's special to be able to be a fan of a team and see them play everybody in the big leagues. I think this is the first year where every team gets to play every team, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. um, that's special. That's special. Whether you're, whether you're visiting, you know, you're coming in and visiting a city. Um, but fans get to see you play against everybody, which makes it obviously a more even field when you talk about playoffs, uh, because you're playing everybody. So that that record is now more true on the teams that make it to the postseason because they're playing everybody. So, you know, back in the day, it was just interleague play and you just played, you know, your division, you know, one time or whatnot. Now you play everybody, which I think is really cool. And the speed up rules have, have been great. We have those in college, too. Um, they're we have 20 seconds. I believe MLB is 15. Uh, so but. I think it just like anything else, 
players have always been asked to 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 make adjustments. And I thought since spring training to the season, I thought the hitters and the pitchers made made adjustments fantastically. And obviously, um, it's it's done well. It's done really well with the feedback on on how people are perceiving the quicker game, which is awesome. So I think it, I think it's been great. So we know that the the pitch clock and the throwover rule, it's definitely aided stolen base percentage for for those that steal bases. We'll get into one of those guys in a little bit. Um, Has it also led to some better defense, though, when you look around the league with what's happening? I I know there's articles written about that theory. Do you think that it's helped defense in baseball as well? Yeah, I think so. I think think the the way you pitch now is differently, knowing that you can't pick over, that you're really trying to force the ground ball. And, uh, you know, defense has kind of been – well, it's always really been overlooked in baseball in general, um, but now it coming back, coming back, the bun is coming back. So the defense now has to handle the ball more. Um, the, you're going to have your share of strikeouts. Everybody throws a hundred, so you're definitely going to have a share of strikeouts. But knowing that you know the the stealing the the stolen bases now coming back with bigger bases, the time clock they can use it to their advantage on when they can take off. The timing of it, it's it's uh it's really interesting how major league teams and, and coaches have been able to use that clock for their advantage, but. Defense is defense has always been huge, uh, obviously in my game as well. But for it's it's kind of underrated. So I'm glad that it's coming back and it's getting viewed as man when, when you get double play balls, how much that changes the game and how much that bridges your pitcher to pitch more, you know, throw more pitches, get deeper into games, and, and saving your bullpen. Jack, I've had the good fortune to coach with you over the last two weeks. It was a blast. Do you think the game's going to evolve? It, it seems like it's a cycle. It just kind of cycles through and things seem to come back around trends seem to come back around do you feel like that small ball aspect of the game is going to start showing up more the strikeouts start to go down especially with the dynamic arms on the mound we just coached we saw these young guys yeah. who couldn't bunt some of these guys didn't understand how to run bases it's kind of remarkable because those are things as kids we learned immediately yeah. you had to get done do you think that's going to be shifted very soon i think so i think you're starting to see the, the beginning of the shift back to the game that we're used to that you and I were used to coming up. Um, there's still the analytic park where they're, they're going to consistently probably come up with more ways to measure different things. Um, you know, but I think that stuff's coming back. Like the sack bun is coming back. The drag bun is coming back. We've seen, I mean, how many squeezes have we seen this year than we have in the past? I mean, we probably have more squeezes this year than maybe the last two or three years combined. So I love that as a, as a guy who played in that era, and grew up in that era. Remember this game has changed over the last 15 years, more than it ever changed in the history of the game. So I would love to see that style come back. I know as a person, like I have a hard time watching major league baseball when there's no bunt, there's no hit and run. There's none of that pure stuff that I grew up with. So it's hard for me to watch sometimes. Um, but uh, seeing that kind of, like you said, come back around the, the, it's evolved to a certain point. At some point it goes back around and I'm excited to see that. Cause I think that that's a more pure, like pure game of baseball rather than just launch angles, see how far we can hit it, strikeouts. And I'm sure that's still all going to be there. But, you know, I'm interested to see the next round of, you know, different rule changes or what they might do to even more so get the older game back. Maybe change the ball back to not being a, a freaking Pro B1 to advantage. <laughs> I have pro, I have Major League Baseballs and I threw to BP yesterday to Jacob and it was amazing. So much so that I got, I went, I grabbed a bat and I hit and I felt fantastic. I didn't, I was like, wow. I have power again because these balls go very far. I don't remember them going very far when I hit them, but my goodness, I hit some bombs yesterday and I'm 45. <laughs> so I think, I think the ball coming back to normal would be awesome. 
their heart is rocking. I want to go back to, you know, talk about Jacob and the draft and the process you're in right now. I mean, you're talking to a lot of different teams or at least your son's agent is who was your agent as well. You know, what's that process like? And also what are you outfitting? You, you talked to me a little bit about that. You're going to have a little yeah. swag going, right? When, when yeah. I, to that draft. Yeah. I, uh, we, we definitely have to swag out. It's been a very important part of the last week on the girls getting their dresses and uh, the girls are in dresses and Jordans, which we're really excited nice. about. Yeah, I went out and got a, a pair of J's as well, and so did Jacob. So we're, uh, I think we could be looking good. We had a little fashion show night the other night where we all lined up to make sure that we all kind of matched in some way with the different color schemes and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a lot of fun. We're having a good time with it. Um, you know, it's a little overwhelming for Jake. I think he just wants to play baseball again. It's been, he's been down since we lost in our WAC tournament. So it's been a good almost six weeks since he's played baseball. So I think for him, he's just excited to, have the experience, but really just to get back on the baseball field and start playing again. So I think that's what his focus is. Hey, let's get Sunday. Let's enjoy it. Let's get it over with. Let's find out where I'm going and let me go play. So I'm excited for him to, to get to that part. So it's, it's much different than when I got drafted on how they handle things with all the different meetings and stuff like that. So it's, it's been an interesting thing for me to learn about as well. And hopefully I can help, you know, the next futures draft guys with the experience I'm having with Jacob. Ellie Dela Cruz is going to be able to afford a lot of Air Jordans if he wants. That's for sure. If he continues it at this pace, um, you, both you guys, you know, played know the Pittsburgh Pirates organization well, know the history of that organization well, and it's an organization that hasn't had a ton of recent success, but has a great and illustrious history. Same thing goes for the Cincinnati Reds. How cool is it to see that impact a young phenom can have on a team that's suddenly starting to put things together and, and play really good baseball? Yeah, I don't think there's – I mean, I think I read something today with the record since he's been up there. It's something something crazy. I don't know what the exact numbers were, but I, I kind of resaw it. I think it was something like they were 21-5. and five. I don't know if that's the exact number, but it was – but I definitely remember when Kutch came up, um, one of my last – in 2009, the energy and the excitement that he brought energized everybody else in the clubhouse. Just like a, a new guy, a new, fresh, young player that we were very excited about. He had been our top prospect for two or three years – and I feel that's what Cincinnati does when you have guys like Joey Votto. He's going to get, you know, re-energized in his career where he's at because you have this guy who comes in and changes changes the game. And, and he does. And you think, like, in baseball, can one guy simply come in and do that? And absolutely, he's injected energy into that system, into that team. And they feed off that. And they also have McLean that, have come, that has come up. He's from UCLA. Used to watch him. And, and he's doing amazing, too. So these guys are coming up and, and just kind of, you know, it's almost like a friggin' Red Bull into their clubhouse, into their lineup. They're 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 rocking and rolling right now. So it's super fun to see that. And you and you can see the difference in how everybody's, you know, energetic. They're moving around. They're excited. Baseball in Cincinnati is real. And it's and, and you just look at, you know, a couple players coming in, and especially a, a player like that. He's so dynamic. Jack, it's really cool to follow baseball at a time where there's a, a number of unprecedented things happening. What Shohai Otani's doing as a pitcher and a hitter is, is unprecedented. And then Ronald Acuna Jr. In Atlanta, Ooh. a guy who's really only had success since he's played yeah. in the majors, both from a team standpoint and personal standpoint, but not like this. 20-plus home runs, 40-plus stolen bases, 50-plus RBIs before the All-Star break. That's a first in the long history of Major League Baseball. Yeah. What do you think of this guy and what his career possibly could be by the time it's all said and done? I mean, you know, this is amazing. He's playing video games. I feel like he's just in front of a PlayStation or an Xbox right now and just getting on base and pressing up and A and stealing second and hitting homers. I mean, that's 
where he's going to end up. I'm so excited to see what that second half looks like. Um, obviously, he's on a mission. He missed all last year with his injury. So he is out to prove that he's the best player in baseball. I think he looks at the Shohei, Shohei Itanai like vibe and he's like, wait a second, don't forget, don't forget about me. I'm doing things that and Shohei's doing stuff that we never seen, but but so am I. And I think he's he's making that run to to say, hey, I'm here too, and I'm going to do things. And I think that's, I think I feel like that. That's what he's his mission was this year. He said, you know, you might have forgot about what I can do. And so I feel like every time he's on base, he's like, I'm stealing second, I'm stealing third, and no one's going to stop me. And I think he's going to have that pace all year to prove that he's one of the best players in the game, if not the best player of the game overall. So I think that's his mission. It sure looks like it, how he's playing. Jack Wilson, again, the longtime Major League Baseball player now with USA Baseball. Got a son that's going to be drafted highly in the upcoming uh, Major League Baseball draft. A busy man has been our guest, so we appreciate the time while things are so busy for you, Jack. Really appreciate it. Best of luck over the weekend with your son as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Now that's Jack Wilson, and thanks to Michael McHenry also for setting that up for us. It really is remarkable for when you look at Acuna and those numbers by the All-Star break. Yeah, he, he's remarkable. I mean, that doesn't just show up just because of his ability and talent. Obviously, this guy's got dynamic ability. I mean, he can throw, he can run, but he's also very cerebral. He has high baseball IQ. He's taking these bases, and he's almost stealing them with ease, which is remarkable. I know there's a lot of rule changes that help that fact, but – He's doing his homework. He's getting out there. He's ready to go. I know the first base coach, EY, he's constantly talking to these guys about digging in, finding those trends. What's happening with the pitcher? Is he a time guy? Can you time him out and take off early? He's so cerebral in what he's doing. And then also the same thing at the plate. He's hitting good pitches, making really good swing decisions. That's something that he struggled with in the past. He's been remarkable. And I feel like just like Jack was talking about with De La Cruz, they are feeding off of it. The Braves are remarkable. They have six guys now with 15-plus homers. They have a bunch of guys locked up through 2027, and they've been the best team in baseball for the last six, seven weeks. So good, and they're just going to get better with all the guys coming in. I take my recommendations very seriously, and uh, I'm going to take these next recommendations I'm going to give you very seriously. What I'm watching and what you should watch. That's what we're talking about next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We're back. It's Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I am Withrow. Hutton not here. He'll be back on Monday. Appreciate our crew in studio, downtown Nashville, our 6th and Peabody studios at Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Got a great show today. I've already been joined by Jack Wilson, former Major League Baseball player. Coming up in the next hour, SEC Mike, Michael Bratton, will join us. And we've got the Fort, Michael McHenry, up in Pittsburgh, joining us as a special guest co-host. The man knows baseball. The man knows about a little bit of everything, though, and he is sharing that knowledge with us on today's show, having a great time as well. Fourth, though, you don't strike me as someone who consumes a lot of uh, like pop media, TV shows, streaming, movies. Uh, I, I feel like maybe you're watching like kids' movies at home, but not a lot of other things. Am, am I correct in this assessment? You know, I did say I was going to write a kids' book. That's true. 
I, I like I like all types of uh, of shows and, and movies. I'm a big movie buff. When when I need to relax, that's what I do. I, I just watched the first couple episodes of Jack Ryan. Absolutely loved it. But I cannot wait to hear about you and your pop culture because I know you're a savant. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about some of your favorites right now. Some would call me a savant for sure. I, I don't know who those some are, but that's that they they would call me a savant. Those those few. Um, my Jack Ryan story is my wife and I started it, and I watched the entire first episode, and she fell asleep about four minutes into the first episode. So now I have to rewatch the entire first episode so she's caught up. So uh, I'm I'm still I think there's two episodes out on Prime Video right now of Jack Ryan, probably a third this weekend. I do like that series a lot. But it does not make my top five list. So I've done this before with a number of different things. I had my top five summer movie most anticipated releases earlier this, uh, this summer. We've looked at other sports items that I'm paying attention to and watching. This is a pretty simple list of top five things I either recently watched or am watching right now that I highly recommend. And I said it earlier, I do not take recommendations lightly. If I'm going to throw something out there, I will be willing to defend that thing to the death. And I'll be willing to do that today. And I'll kind of go through this, Michael, and you tell me if you've even heard of these things or seen any of them. And I'm going to start with number five on this list, but number one in my heart currently, and that is The Bear on Hulu. Now, if you've not heard of The Bear, I feel like almost everyone's heard about it by now. It was a sleeper sensation a year ago, got a ton of critical acclaim, so much so that season two, which recently dropped on Hulu, you can watch all episodes now on Hulu. So many actors love this show. Bob Odenkirk, Will Poulter, Jamie Lee Curtis, John Mulaney, Sarah Paulson, all reached out to the creator, dying to be a part of the show. And he found a spot for most of them in season two of the show. It's about a, a chef a complicated chef in Chicago, the people that work in the kitchen. Great show. If you have not watched it, go back and watch in the beginning. Season two is excellent. It's tough sometimes to have a follow-up act when you debut something that's equally as impressive. Season two was. I will say this is the best current show on TV now that Succession is off the air. And that was my favorite show. The Bear is my new favorite show. Fort, have you at least heard of this program? No. Never heard no, of the bear. I, I, I was I was wondering where you're going. I don't have Hulu. Maybe I should get it. You're kind of convincing me. I, I trust your opinion, but never heard of the bear. Why is it called the bear? He's in the kitchen. So the meaning of the name, if I told you the meaning of the name of the show, it would give away a big plot point in the first season. You'll understand. It, it'll, it'll all come together about the end of the first season. I, I You need to go watch the show. I'm telling you. It is inspirational, it's entertaining, it's funny at times, it's emotional, it's a little bit of everything. Great, great show, The Bear. I'm shocked you've never heard of it, but now you have. And that, look, I live to educate. So I've educated <laughs> you on The Bear. Maybe I'll educate you on this next show. Number four on my list, I got in a big kick on this over 4th of July long weekend and watched a ton of them. The Food That Built America. This is a History Channel season, or, or series, that you can stream on Hulu. All episodes you can currently stream on Hulu. I think there's four or five seasons of this, crazy enough. I'm on season two. But, Michael, this is like the, the historical retelling of 
<clears throat> Ray Kroc and McDonald's, the founding of White Castle, the founding of Nathan's Hot Dogs, Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken, all these great American success stories retold, inspirational, entertaining, highly recommend. Have you heard of this? I have heard of it. I've not seen it. Once again, I don't have Hulu, but I'm going to go buy it now. Thanks. I'll make sure my wife knows. We're going to have an extra uh, charge on her credit card for a while because we have to get Hulu again. But yes, I've been wanting to watch this. I love when they tell people stories, how they grinded to get to the top, especially when it has to do with food. But my question to you is, did you have to eat while you're watching it? A lot of times when people are talking about food, all I can think about is food. It's the best. It is the best um, advertisement for these companies that you can put out. I was thinking about it today. Every time I watch an episode, I'm immediately craving whatever I'm watching. And it's like the <laughs> 1920s. The, the first fast food chain in America was White Castle in 1916. It opened. So wow. I watched this episode last night. I have not craved a White Castle since Harold and Kumar went on an adventure to White Castle. That's how long <laughs> it's been. And then watching this, guess what I wanted today? White Castle burgers. Didn't do it. But it's what I was craving the entire time. It, it does that. It, it's part of a whole series. They have um, the toys that made America. They have the men that built America. That's John D. Rockefeller, Carnegie, people like that. That's probably going to get canceled, though. That's not feminist enough. They're going to have to have the people that built America, not the men. Um, but all those shows are really good. This is one of the latest ones, The Food That Built America. Highly recommend. Highly recommend number three on my list also. Maybe the most shocking for those that watch this show when I give you this recommendation, but there is a documentary on Netflix currently, a music doc about Wham. That's it. You're hearing it right now. Hot take. This music still holds up today. I listen to every song on this. I listen to Wham on the way in to the show today after watching this documentary. George Michael is the famous member of Wham. It's his buddy from 12 years old on. They founded Wham in, at 17 or 18 years old, and they reached superstar levels in the 80s with songs like that that were later made famous by the movie Zoolander. Um, great, great, fun, fast-paced. It's one of those that it's a documentary, but you're watching it. It feels like you've watched about 45 minutes of something. There's so much info, and it's so colorful and filled with music. And you look up and you watch 16 minutes of the show. It's the same documentarian that made the Fire Festival doc uh, that I think Netflix had also. Uh, Wham! is the name of the documentary. I don't think you're going to be rushing to watch this one, Michael, but have you heard of this one? I, I've heard of it, and I really want that picture to come back up if you guys can do it. Because mm -hmm. I want you and Jonathan to have that picture. I, I, I think this is special. It's kind of like a stepbrother's like pose, right? It's absolutely it's perfect. Yeah. And I love Zoolander. If I could get my hair to feather out so beautifully, the way the members <laughs> of Andrew and George, uh, whose actual name, he's Greek, is it Yorgos? I believe George Michael's a real name. Um, if Yorgos. I could get my hair to feather and get highlighted tips that way, I, and I could convince Hutton to do it, I would absolutely pose for a picture like that. Um, that's yeah. that's next to the viral. Just saying. Just yeah. saying. I, I, would, I would actually prefer that, uh, to have that as our, our lead-up <laughs> photo of the show is of that one. So this next one, for you're going to love. Mm -hmm. This is right up your alley. Mm -hmm. There's been a real run on American Gladiators IP. So ESPN did a 30 for 30 on American Gladiators, told through the lens of uh, uh, Johnny Ferraro, I think it was. Yeah, Johnny Ferraro, who's the creator of the show. It was okay. When I watched it, it brought back so much nostalgia for the show. I thought that's pretty good. And then I watched another 
docuseries about American Gladiators. And I realized, boy, I was wrong about the ESPN. It sucks compared to this one. And the one I'm talking about that you need to go watch. You can skip the ESPN one and just go watch Muscles and Mayhem, an unauthorized story of American Gladiators. It's on Netflix. It's five parts. Each episode, probably 35 to 45 minutes long. And it is told through the perspective of Nitro and Laser and Ice and Blaze and Tower and Gemini. Awesome. The stories of the late 80s, early 90s, the injury stories, um, the partying stories that these gladiators have, how successful that show was in syndication for a three- to four-year period, incredible. It'll take you back to a time and place. When I watch it, I think this could work today. Someone needs to put this show back on. It is terrific, very well made, very well done. Um, The guy who plays Nitro, to me, I think Dan Clark is his name, he's a real star in this. He's a motivational speaker today, and you can see the charisma with him. He was the guy, the gladiator, that had a real attitude. Like, he had the biggest attitude on the show, but a really good show, very well done. Um, You will be watching this, right, Fort? 1,000%. You're you're exactly right. I I was kind of disappointed with the ESPN one. I'm excited to watch this one. I wanted to be a gladiator as a kid. Obviously, baseball took the reins, but yes, I wanted to be Laser. Laser was a stud. Nitro, I wanted to beat him at all costs because he was kind of like an enemy. You know, I just think about that tennis ball shooting gun and just how you're going to weave in and and out, how much we used to play that as kids. They do need to bring it back, and if they do, I'm going to fight to get on that show because that would be a blast. It's amazing, too, because there's so many things that I forgot about. In the first season, season and a half, or they had like a 13-episode run in the first season, and they split it up. And after the first 13 episodes, that was kind of the pilot. So then they remade it with a different production company. They remade the games they played. They made them a little bit safer and a little bit easier to watch. One example was the joust they had was on this huge uh, like plank that you were on. They remade it where, they remember, they are on those little stands they would uh-huh. put up in the middle, and you were on like a four-foot in diameter stand that you try to knock the other person off of. That was one example. But the athletes they brought on the show as contestants were former college football players, track stars. They were bigger than the gladiators. So the gladiators (laughs) are saying, you know, we're out there getting our ass kicked by this guy who's a linebacker two months ago at UCLA that wants to be an actor. And then that's when they started roiding up. Like, roids became a problem because they wanted to get so much bigger, and they went out and they sought – people who were a lot smaller after that, you know, everyday average Joes from that point on. So highly recommend American Gladiators. Watch it. Number one on my list, no surprise, but how we opened the show. The greatest show in entertainment right now is billionaire Mark Cuban versus millionaire, probably soon to be billionaire, Clay Travis on Twitter. It's a nonstop laugh riot. The two of these guys <laughs> going at it. I highly recommend watching the entire thing. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, you can't get but much better entertainment than two guys arguing and, and really, like you said, it was a close battle at the end and that's a lot of fun. I mean, today's entertainment is nonstop, especially when it comes to two guys that are fighting each other on Twitter. It's just priceless. It's also funny when every response from clay, I love it when someone can consistently go at some, something with someone, no matter what they say, just throw something else, and it's like, okay, that's great. We agree on that, but will you renounce uh, China and all their human? I mean, just over and over and over He's again. Right back around, and he'll yeah, never great. respond with it. Mark Cuban uh, makes him look weak, 
and the whole thing is, uh, is very, very funny. So I've enjoyed watching it, and you should definitely watch that one too. But again, five through one, The Bear on Hulu is my number five show. Uh, number four, my, my favorite show right now, but number five because I've already completed it. And for this list purposes, I'll put it there. The Food That Built America, got into a kick on this on 4th of July weekend. Number three, Wham! documentary on Netflix. Number two, another Netflix documentary, Muscles and Mayhem, unauthorized story of American gladiators. Number one, Clay Travis versus Mark Cuban. We got a lot of baseball to get into today. We got Michael McHenry. He's joining us. He's up in Pittsburgh co-hosting the show with us today. When we come back, we're going to talk MLB All-Star Week. This has long been seen as the gold standard of how to conduct an All-Star game and how to conduct an All-Star event. I will argue that's probably still the case. We may get other arguments out there. We'll talk about All-Star Week. We'll talk about the All-Stars. We'll talk about a very cool gesture also for Clayton Kershaw that was made because of All-Star Week that's upcoming. We'll get into all of these things and more, including did ESPN really want to fire Jeff Van Gundy or was someone else pulling the strings? Maybe something controlled by China. Maybe we'll get into that. Just maybe. We'll get into all those things. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network.